Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin and I'm a voice expert. I help people make a bigger impact with their voice and step onto a bigger stage, no matter whether that means on camera, live speaking, even water cooler conversation. I'm so glad you're here. And in this podcast, we talk about lots of different ways that you can improve your voice, improve your communication, improve your speaking on camera, chock full of tips, And I also interview people from across a wild array of businesses where we talk about their struggles and challenges with communication, getting on camera, using their voice. I'm really excited about this podcast, and I'm so glad that you're listening. Thank you for your downloads and your shares. Today, I want to tell you a little bit about my voice story, if you will. I don't think people, when they're growing up, think, you know what I want to be when I grow up? I want to be a a voice expert. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a daddy or a snake. And neither of those worked out, which is probably a good thing. But I'm a voice expert. And it's always funny to me when I tell people, you know, they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a voice expert. And the response so many times is, oh, what is a voice expert? Well, I help people really step into the power of their voice. And little did I know at a very young age, this was going to be my destiny. And I have a really interesting story that is the foundation for all the things that I'll teach on this podcast. It's really the core of my entire methodology. So I wanted to take some time today and share it with you. Thank you for listening. I was raised in a family, children are to be seen and not heard. And I don't say that with any negativity. It's just the way it was. And I find so many people today around my age, and and maybe even not my age, that they say the same thing. And I shake my head and I agree, oh, me too, me too. But we really weren't allowed to share our thoughts or feelings or goals or dreams. We We just were to be quiet. And as a result of that, I really needed a place to express myself, to shine, to, you know, my place. Everybody needs a place. Everybody needs a thing. And I wasn't good in academics. Oh my gosh, was I not good in academics and probably even less good in athletics. So when I was 12 years old, I discovered speech and drama. And at the age of 12, I started winning speaking awards. I was, I was really good and I really loved it. And it was such an incredible platform for me to, 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 to get the feedback that I needed to have my message heard. And I just, I just absolutely loved it. I wanted to be a professional actor and that was really my ambition. I never dreamed of being a professional speaker, but that's really how I started was, was doing speeches and winning awards. And I loved it to be cast in a main stage show as a freshman is like a huge deal. And 
I started rehearsing this play and the name of the play was The Runner Stumbles. And I had actually been in the play before in high school. Loved the play. And it's about a priest who falls in love with a nun and she ends up getting murdered and he is framed for her murder. I won't tell you the outcome in case you want to check it out. But in the play is written one, a slap scene and a choke scene. Well, no big deal. There's stage combat and, you know, you're not really getting slapped and you're not really getting choked. You know, even in the movies, you look at that stuff and it's all, it's all staged. But unfortunately, there was no stage combat in this show. It was all, it was all real. The director wanted authenticity. And so here I am, 17 years old, so excited about this great honor. I had beat out all these other older girls for this lead role, and I certainly didn't want to move back home. So as we went through rehearsal, the slapping kind of got worse, and what is scripted as one slap turned into three, turned into five. And, you know, I kind of thought, this is, this is a problem. And one day I saw my sister, she lived in the town that I lived in, and she looked at me and she said, oh my gosh, what has happened to your jaw? And I hadn't even realized that my jaw was all, was all bruised from being slapped around so much in rehearsal. Well, three nights before we opened this play, I, I was beat pretty bad. And my nose, you know, slapped around quite a bit and thrown on the hardwood floor of the stage. And my nose was broken and my jaw was damaged and it was it was shock you know I was in shock and I thought I, I can't I just can't do this anymore and so I went to the director finally but you know I was so afraid I was going to get kicked out of the play which is why I had never said anything before you know I just kind of and remember I had been raised where you just you just don't say anything you just don't say anything you know you just it's okay and I went to the director and I said, you know, is there any way we could tone this down a little bit? And her response to me was, you've chosen a profession in which, in which you must suffer for your art. And if you can't do that, I can replace you. Well, you can imagine the devastating thoughts that went through my mind. So I was like, no way, I got to suck this up. And I did. And I did the play. And I'll never forget when my when my mother came to see the show, she had a really hard time sitting in her chair watching it. But I ended up leaving that college and I went to a different college. And when I got to my new college, one of the one of my acting teachers said, you're going to be an actor? We got to fix your voice. And I thought, what are you talking about? You have to fix my voice. I've, I've won in speaking awards since I was 12 years old. What had happened as a result of that event was my voice sounded like this now. I had shifted my voice into something that was very nasal and high-pitched. It was a protection mode. And that was really the beginning of the whole story of the work that I do today. And so I got into intensive voice training, getting my pitch down and getting the words out of my mouth. I was really, really able to study some fantastic methodologies. And I did go on to be an actor. I made my living doing television commercials for years, and I was the spokesperson for a number of corporations. And I did a few films. Films weren't really my thing. I love doing television commercials. But the funny thing was, from very early on, 
people kept finding me to help them with their voices, to help them with their speaking. And I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I had, you know, I knew how I had been trained. I knew phonetics. I knew voice. I knew some great voice methodology. I had been a professional speaker at a young age and, and I always helped people with what I knew, but never entered my mind that that this is what I was going to do for a career. And I worked professionally as an actor until my late twenties. And I decided I didn't want to do it anymore, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Little did I know I was really running from my purpose. So I got my first master's degree in child drama and I had never really been into child drama, but I had had a professor at that first university that had really impacted me. He is the professor that had taught me phonetics, the phonetic alphabet, which I loved. It just made so much sense to me. And I, and I loved language, not necessarily languages, because I never really could learn a foreign language, but I loved the whole concept of how we speak and why we sound the way we do. And why do the Irish sound Irish? And why do the New Yorkers sound New Yorkers? And that had been exacerbated with the training that I did at the next college and the voice work that I did. So I got a master's in child drama and I directed plays all over the world for years. And still people were finding me to help them with their voices and with their presentations. And of course, back then there wasn't really on camera except for actors and there wasn't social media. There wasn't even email. I didn't even have an email until I was 34 years old when they, when email came around, you know, I would go into companies and I would work with executives. They would find me colleges and universities and conservatories would find me to come in and, and do voice workshops or public speaking workshops. So when my son was born, I stopped doing child drama. I, I still did, you know, I did some for, for several years, but it really was never at that, from that point on, it was never my full focus. And I had enjoyed it. The part that I enjoyed the most about child drama really, I think, was the travel and getting to go to other countries and work with children in other countries. And I did a lot of work with, it was mostly adults doing plays for children, but I did work with children a lot. So after my son was born, I, of course, stopped traveling and really stopped focusing on child drama. And I got another master's in corporate communications. And that's when I really focused on teaching on the college level. But outside of that, people still kept finding me to do voice training. So over the next few years, as my child grew up, I I discovered at the age when he was two that he had autism. And so my focus was really, really heavy on helping my son. But on the side, I worked. I was a single mother. I was a single mother from the time my son was five months old. And I worked at a part-time at a, at a conservatory, an actor's conservatory in New York. And I had private clients that would find me and keep finding me and keep finding me. And as my son got better and more people kept finding me, they kept encouraging me to, this is what you should do. You should, this is really what you should do. You should help people with their voices. A percentage of my clients were accent reduction clients. And the other percent was people who wanted to just make a bigger impact with their voice. Now, over those years, I had an opportunity to study even more with some some incredible voice teachers and voice people who had 
really created some strong voice methodology. And so out of that, it really became clear to me that I was supposed to be a voice teacher. This is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm a little slow on the take sometimes, but I kept getting inundated with help me improve my voice, come teach for us at this college and voice. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I just, for years, I thought, how, how are they asking me to teach voice? Look at, look at what happened to my voice. I had a bad voice. I didn't even for years early on realize what I was able to do with my voice and how well I understood what made an impact with a voice. So I really started working with people all over the world. By this time in the game, internet was happening. People were finding me. Video was happening. YouTube was happening. And so there was a a lot of opportunity for a lot more visibility. And having been a professional in television doing commercials, I had no trouble jumping on video, started doing video, and people were finding me through videos. So I've, over the last 15, 20 years, have had the opportunity to work with so many people. Mostly, you know, just really all over the world and via Skype. Skype was the greatest thing ever for me because I could have clients in India and Australia and just everywhere. And I kept start, I, you know, I really started paying attention. I've always been a, a student of the voice. I've always loved the voice. I've always really, really wanted, I've always been fascinated with it. And I started paying really close attention to what was happening what I was seeing repeatedly with clients, I started reflecting back on the incredible training that I had 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 the opportunity to have and even reflected on my own life. And I started to really see the idea of the psychology of the voice, which is what I call it. I call it the psychology of the voice. And it really became clear to me that what we do with our voices is based on our experiences. I had already known so much about muscle memory. I had the opportunity to study that. I had the opportunity to develop a voice and movement integration program for a conservatory in New York. And I knew the value that the body played. I knew that things were stored in the muscles, but I had never really put it all together And I kept seeing the same thing in clients. I kept seeing sounds dropping through the bottom of the jaw. I kept seeing nasality. I kept seeing too much movement in video. I kept seeing no variety. I kept seeing people getting bogged down in the words. And so I really started formulating my own methodology, which is what I teach today. And I base it in what I call, like I said, the the psychology of the voice where every experience we have in life goes into our head and our head tells our body what to do. So I'll give you an example. I worked with a young man a year or two ago and he was, he was really quiet and he didn't say a lot and he was training to be an actor. And I said, we've got to get your voice out. Your voice is stuck in the back of your throat. We've got to get it out. Some where along the way, something triggered this. And he said, oh my gosh, when I was in high school, I used to talk all the time and my teachers kept telling me to shut up. 
So there's our example. Something came into the psychology. The psychology said, teachers are saying, stop talking, stop talking. And so what the muscles did of the muscles of the face were follow. The boy stopped talking a lot. And even when he did, he held his face in such a way, not obvious to the, to the eye, that the sound fell through the bottom of the jaw so he wouldn't be heard. I worked with a man in New York named Bill, and he wanted to make a bigger impact with his voice. And I had not met him. I had only corresponded with him via email. And the day that I met him, I worked with him in person. He was this big guy, like NFL football player size guy. And he walked in the room and I, I reached out my hand. I said, Bill, it's so nice to meet you. And he very quietly in a high pitch said, it's nice to meet you. And this was really when I was really exploring and, and putting together this ideology of mine that kept proving true time after time after time. And my first question to him was, hey, Bill, do you have any siblings? And his response was, I have six older sisters. So because Bill had six older sisters, he didn't get a whole lot of words out. You know, six older sisters talking a lot. That was his psychology of the voice experience. Everybody has them. And they can be good or bad. You know, mine happened to be bad. Bill's, not so much. He just happened to have six older sisters. But everybody has psychology of the voice experiences. And so what it does is it locks down those muscles and it shifts the way we speak. And over the years, I've seen it shifts not only the way we speak, but whether we even speak and what we say. So when I hear terms like articulation, you've got to get the words out. I get a little, little funneled up, as my son says, because when we say articulation, people generally think you have to overpronounce things. Articulation is nothing more than something has occurred in your psychology. You've shut down your sound. And so your voice is dropping through the bottom of your jaw or it's, come, or it's stuck in the back of your throat. It's not coming forward. And we have to get it out. We have to shift what's in the muscles because the muscles are going to do what they've always done and they're going to do what they've always done that the brain told them to do. So we have all these layers of muscle memory and everything we've ever experienced is in the muscle memory. So whatever the top layer is, that's what we're going to draw from. That's why when we get up on the stage, we think, oh, I'm going to remember to do this and I'm going to remember to do that. And, you know, why things sound so incredible in our head, but then they come out flat. They're not in the muscle memory. The muscle memory is delivering the top layer. So you can think it when you're up there speaking, but unless you've practiced it, laid it in, I dare even say shifted it. It's not going to be there for you. So the goal in the work that I do is let's first figure out what you're doing, what's going on, and then let's lay in a new top layer. So if your words are stuck in the back of your throat, I want to give you an exercise that's going to shift the muscles of your face in a different direction 
that's going to free that sound where it can come forward and you can be understood. What's interesting about this is that the voice is the most vulnerable tool we have, the most vulnerable piece on us next to our heart. And that plays a big part in it because the minute we open our mouth, we know we are subjected to the potential of being judged. So it requires tremendous vulnerability to get the words out, say what we want to say, and make them interesting. If I use vocal variety, you might think I sound like a, like a kook. So I'll just, you know, play it safe and not use it, and then I won't be as judged. So we've got all these things going on, and the result is, whoa, I'm not making an impact with my voice. I'm flatlining. My, my voice is flat. I'm, I'm not interesting on camera. I sound like I'm reading the script. You sound like you're reading the script because you're stuck up in your head, focusing on the words disconnected from your voice and body. The mind, the voice, and the body all have to work together. And when they do, you can take those words, that message, and you can use your voice to bring them to life. So that kind of becomes the end goal, getting reconnected, mind, body, and voice, getting grounded so you're not moving around so much. Moving around is, you know, your sound is, is, because of that vulnerability issue, your sound is trying to do anything but come out of your mouth. So if I wag my hands a lot, then my sound can come out of my hands. So there's nothing wrong with movement. But if it's taking away from the full impact of your voice, you're not making the difference that you want to make. So if we get you grounded where you're not using movement to to not let your sound out, then your sound can come out much more solid and you can make a bigger impact. So that's a little bit about my my work and my philosophy and my methodology. And one of the the key aspects of the work that I do is linked into breathing, which is set up exactly the same way. We, the studies on breathing are staggering. We live in a world where we don't breathe. We hold our breath in. We wait for the next shoe to drop the traffic, the pressure, the emails, the everything. Again, we've laid something into our muscle memory where we don't, we're not going to breathe. And we've trained ourselves to be that way. Of course we breathe. We would drop dead if we didn't. But we don't breathe. So when people say, oh, remember to breathe, I just kind of shrug inside. Because you won't. You will remember once. But then what is in that top layer of muscle memory, which is locked down, don't let the air out, is going to take over. So I have a lot of clients that just literally come with me, come and work with me so I can teach them to breathe. And then we've got the whole element of letting the air out with the words. If you connect the breath to the words, that's maximum vulnerability. Maximum vulnerability is maximum impact and connection. So what's interesting to see as things have changed over the years 
you know, voice and speaking was always important in my world. And it was absolutely essential for speakers and really for business people and sales. But what we see now, in addition to that, is video is everywhere and everything. And if you're not on video, you are going to get left behind. Podcasting, like we're listening to right now, everywhere. Voice, movement, message is how we're making an impact today. It's how we're making connections. Computers are great and technology is great. But the problem is, is I don't know if it's a real person on the other other side of that email or other side of that tweet. When I see your face, when I hear your voice, I know you're real. I can hear you. I can hear what you're about. I can tell what you're about. I can see your face, see your movement. There's so much more to that. It's how I figure out who you are and if I want to follow you if I want to let you change my life, if I want to be impacted by you, if I want to connect with you, if I want to buy from you. So in the world of my work, over really 30-something years, I feel like now more than ever is the time that we have to start looking at voice and movement and speaking and go beyond the words go beyond the content. The words are everything and they are nothing. It's how you bring them to life that touches my senses, which then in turn affect my emotions. And as soon as you affect my emotions, you got me. So that's a little bit about the work that I do. I wanted to tell you my story to start this podcast off. And from here on out, weekly, I'm going to give strategies and tips and suggestions and teaching principles and talk about pitfalls that I have seen repeatedly over the years among clients, the things that I get the most questions about, the things where I see the people struggle the most. And I'm going to mix that in with some incredible guests across all kinds of businesses, all kinds of professions, men, women, young, older, and take a look at their struggles because I think the chances are good that we all struggle with them as well. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at captivatetheroom.com and I'll see you in the next episode.